Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Well, thank you Emmanuel for leading us. I'm sure you all noticed today was a hymn Sunday. All right, so we we sang old songs today and Priscilla, thank you for playing the organ. All right, so a little bit of uh, memory lane this morning uh, as we've worshiped together many of the younger folk out at the getaway. Uh, Isaac Uh, thinking it was a good opportunity for us to sing some of the older songs. And uh, wonderful words, and I trust that they have been a blessing, uh, meaningful to you. I'm going to uh, pause in the series of Second Corinthians this morning, and uh, many people away, but also a passage that I believe uh, is helpful. It has been of tremendous help to me over my years as a believer, but even, perhaps even more so in my years uh, in pastoral ministry. And so I do invite you to turn this morning to Luke chapter 22. So the gospel according to Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to read just from verse 31 to 34. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he turns to one of those disciples, uh, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me, deny three times that you know me. So just so far the reading of God's word. Lord, we are people, children of weakness, an affirmation in one of those songs today. And so as we come this morning, Lord, looking to you, praying for your continued strengthening, your enabling, Lord, that you would be those arms holding and keeping us through the course of our lives through to the very end. And so may you, Lord, speak to us through your word. May your word be of great encouragement to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start start with making a statement that I believe would probably be true for most of us, if not all of us. The statement is this, there are times when your faith comes under attack. If you've discovered that, and it even gets to a place where it seems to falter. Doubt creeps into your mind, and perhaps even some form of skepticism, a sense of feeling like, what's the point? Rather wanting to give up and throw in the towel as a believer, wanting to abandon your faith. That being a common experience to most of us and for most of us, it does prompt the question, what is it that can get in the way of an easy walk of faith. What is it? Now, there are many things, but I'm going to focus on the focus or on the theme of the uh, couple of verses before us this morning. What is it that makes us so vulnerable in our walk of faith? What or who can be the cause of making the Christian walk 
so difficult, so hard. Well, the Apostle Peter, I believe, is a good example of what I'm talking about. We notice in this passage that he was zealous, he was keen, and, and we read of that in chapter 20, verse 22, verse 33. Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And it's wonderful. There's, there's a tremendous resolve. And yet that very same day, we know that he was so afraid that he denied the Lord. Not once, but three times. Chapter 22, verse 56, the servant girl saw him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Now, now what do we see here? In, 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 the, in, in certain moments, there are good intentions. There is resolve expressed. And I have no doubt in my mind that Peter on that day, in those moments, was sincere. He genuinely intended to follow the Lord to prison and to death. Yet, he fails. He falls and disowns the Lord. And I think that's true of many of us at times. We have good intentions. We want to do things that are pleasing to the Lord. We want to honor Him. We want to glorify Him. We want to walk in harmony with Him. We look forward, I'm sure each one of us look forward to that day ultimately when we will hear, well done my good and faithful servant. We don't want to disappoint God. We don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. And so we regularly make resolutions. Lord, I want to stand firm. Lord, I will stand firm for Jesus. I will stand firm for the cause of the kingdom. And then we fail. Is that true? We fall. We disappoint ourselves. We disappoint God. We fall flat on our faces and, and we begin to wonder, how on earth did this happen? Just yesterday I was in church praising God. And now Monday morning I want to throw in the towel and give up my faith. Well, as we look to this passage, I want you to see this morning and try and remember this truth. There is someone out there who wants to destroy you. You have an enemy. If you're a believer here this morning, a professing believer, you need to realize, you need to recognize, you need to remember that you have an enemy, someone who wants to destroy you. And at times we feel that. We go through particular difficulties and, and, and we feel like we're down in the dust or down in the gutter and, and, and then suddenly something happens, something occurs and you feel like you've been kicked again and again and you're wondering, what's going on? What's going on? Blow after blow, being knocked down again and again. What, what is this? Is this just bad luck? Is it me just being at the wrong place at the wrong time? Or is there something more? I confess, when I was a younger Christian, I looked to my father-in-law, who was my pastor for many years, and I thought to myself, I long to be like him. Long in the tooth, having no teeth. Able to stand up and be consistent in the expression of my faith. 
But I've discovered now that I am long in the tooth, that I also still face challenges and difficulties. I'm still vulnerable. I still face the attacks of the evil one. Well, Jesus tells Peter here that there's more to things than meets the eye. Things are not just like you see them on the surface. He says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. This is not the only passage. The other one that immediately came to my mind was Ephesians chapter 6. Paul addressing the Ephesians speaks to them about the spiritual battles that we will encounter in this life. And there is an urging there to stand firm. And he speaks of the spiritual armor that God has provided. You're fighting a battle. You have an enemy. You're in a war. There's a spiritual engagement that goes on between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. He refers here to Simon. Why didn't Jesus use his given name after he became a disciple of Peter? And I believe it is a reminder to Peter that there still is some of the old nature in him which if you look back in the passage, you see evidence of the disciples were disputing among themselves as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest, wanting prominence, wanting to be up front, sinful nature. Jesus said to them, no, that's the way the Gentiles behave. That's not the way you behave. And so the reality is yet that we are vulnerable because we have a sinful nature. We are vulnerable because we have an enemy. And and we are told categorically over here, Peter is told, Satan has begged earnestly for you. You see the same thing when we turn to Job. Similar thing. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Listen to these words that follow from the mouth of Satan. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, and you know the story as it unfolds. You see, Satan is questioning the genuineness of Job's faith. There's the issue. He doesn't want Job to be uh, consistent in expressing his faith. And he's, he's, he's saying to God that it's easy for Job because his life is comfortable. Let me hurt him. Let me do something to him and, and see whether he really trusts you, God. And so in this instance, Simon, Simon, Satan has begged earnestly to sift you as wheat. I don't know if we use that phrase so much anymore. I use a different phrase. Sometimes I feel like I'm going through the mill. I don't know if you ever feel that. Being ground and ground and you're feeling squeezed and you're feeling squashed and you're feeling absolutely uh, desperate. Dear friends, this is not just true for Peter and for Job. It's true for every believer 
want you to see that this morning. I want to urge you to think about this. There is someone out there who would like to destroy you. I want you to know some facts about Satan. Just something that we can uh, equip ourselves with in knowing something of our enemy. The person of the devil, folk, is real. We live in a context, a materialistic context, a secular world, where talk of the devil and talk of the Satan is kind of relegated to the realm of being the boogeyman or fairy tale stuff. It's a lie. Satan is real. Jesus believed in the devil. More than that, not only did he believe in the devil, Jesus encountered the devil. And if he encountered the devil, you need to understand that you will encounter the devil. Remember after his baptism, during the time of fasting and praying in the desert, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. It was a real experience. Who is Satan? Satan is a creature. He is not God's equal. Jesus speaks in Luke chapter 10 verse 18. He just declares, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We see something of an elaboration of that in Isaiah chapter 14. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, this is the problem. Satan was a rebel amongst the angels, amongst the heavenly host in heaven. He said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in throne on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the earth. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Satan has an agenda. He's not just out there randomly existing, as it were, to and fro in the world. Satan is the one that brought sin into the world at the beginning. He's the one, remember, doing this by tempting Eve, Adam, falling. Satan is the one described in the book of Job as roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. He's the one Jesus calls the prince of this world. Don't underestimate his ability. He's a murderer. He's a liar. He's the one Peter compares to a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. John speaks of him as the accuser of the brothers. Satan, dear friends, is at work not only out there in Hollywood, not only in the Hatfield Strip. I think that's where it kind of happens, doesn't it? No, he, he, he comes and he works amongst the people of God in churches, in churches ever working in the churches of Christ, catching the good seed as it is being delivered. Uh, and he captures that from the hearts of hearers. He sows weeds amongst the wheat. He stirs up persecution. He suggests false doctrine. And he creates divisions. Your enemy is dangerous. He's invisible and he's an experienced enemy. He's a strategist. Don't take this enemy lightly. He's subtle. He's studied the human heart for thousands of years. He can and he does make even an approach to us as an angel of light. 
And so this morning, if you profess to have real faith, the message this morning to you is be on your guard against the devil's schemes, his devices. He is an enemy that used the, uh, uh, the lust of David and trapped him with Bathsheba. He took Peter into falling and, and even made an effort to attack Jesus in the wilderness. He will attempt to destroy your faith. If you've not yet discovered that, you will discover that along the way. Specifically, he wants to eliminate the reality of your trust that you've placed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he will do this in different ways, making you fall into sin, making you doubt God, and to be skeptical about the truth of his words. This may happen as things around you go wrong, and even things with you go wrong. We are vulnerable when we are weak. Those words we sang this morning struck me. We are weak Children of weakness, vulnerable. And we have an enemy who is out to destroy us. Someone out there who wants to get you and destroy you. But secondly, I'm not done. That's the good part of the sermon. Secondly, there is someone infinitely greater who helps you. You have a mighty friend. Me as a believer, I have a mighty friend. You do not stand alone. I do not stand alone to fight this vicious and malicious enemy. Let's have a look at some examples. Job himself facing a severe attack from the devil. Not once. At least two extended periods of intense suffering. He went through some times of wavering and wobbling, but his faith endured. We are told in Job 13, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. That's not Job on his own. This is the help of God. David, remember when uh, confronted by Nathan, again, sent by God. uh, God leading him and and convicting him and, and restoring him. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity, he says in Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. But the passage this morning. Peter is restored and is reinstated by Jesus. The third time he said to him, John 21, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Restored him. He prayed for him. Peter's the same man we find preaching boldly to the crowds on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people responding, being added to the church that day. And so we ask ourselves, how does this support come about? The logic we have would lead us to believe that the enemy puts us through our paces or sifts you at wheat. Well, then you're going to be done. You're going to be destroyed. You, You have no hope. Well, that would be true if you had no help. And so, yes, there is someone out there who helps you in the midst of your crisis, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your grief, in the midst of your illness, in the midst of your persecution, in the midst midst of any attack that comes, not only to help you, but to restore you. To carry you through to the end. Have a look at verse 32. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Just some of the grammar here. When Jesus 
uh, raises the first instance. Uh, he says, Simon, Simon, uh, Satan has sought to sift you. He uses the plural for you. All believers. Applies to us all. But when he gets to the prayer, he's praying for Peter particularly and specifically. Which we ought to take as encouragement is the very nature of the, the interceding work of Jesus is particular. He doesn't just pray for the Central Baptist Church members who happen to come from. He prays for every believer. This is God. This is the eternal, almighty, uh, uh, all-knowing God. And folks, this is the secret of the believer's perseverance. It's the secret of hope as a believer. Peter did not fall away into faithless darkness in spite of being tripped up in a, in, in a season, but persevered in his faith because Jesus prayed for him. The very fact that you sit here this morning wanting to worship is an indication of the answered prayer of Jesus, the great miracle Jesus has been interceding for you. His prayers are carrying you. It is the help that you need. As a believer, the enemy is strong. Your own strength is small. The world is full of traps. Your heart is weak. But here in this passage, we find there is safety through the dangers. Dangers that are real. Dangers that are big. As a believer, you have a mighty friend at the right hand of God the Father. A couple of passages just to remind you. Jesus is a faithful advocate representing your cause successfully, pleading for you, seeing your daily necessities, obtaining your daily supplies of mercy and grace for your soul. I'm sure you know that verse so well in Hebrews chapter 4. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize uh, with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way. The invitation follows. Let us then approach the throne of grace so that we may receive, receive, receive mercy and grace when? In our time of need. Hebrews chapter 7. Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because, here's the reason, he always lives to intercede for them. Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Christ Jesus who died... And we focus often on the death of Christ and His resurrection. That's good. That's important. But it goes beyond that. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And so the work that Jesus does for us as His people is not yet over. Redemption has been accomplished, but it's now being applied the success of the cross has been practically worked out in the lives of people from generation to generation. He still appears in the presence of His Father, doing for our souls what He did for Peter. His present life is important. It is as important as His atoning death on the cross. Jesus lives because He lives. Every true believer will also live. The prayers of Jesus are effective. Now, folks, you might be in, in need this morning. And the, the intention of this passage is to encourage you. The prayers of Jesus are effective. I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And then he adds these words. And when, not if, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In conclusion, will your life as a believer 
be smooth, comfortable, always rosy, riding the crest of the wave? Will our church always be a holy, happy huddle? No. No. You have an enemy. We have an enemy. Just when we think we're over the one obstacle or difficulty or challenge, there's another. Our enemy will not rest until that day when Jesus makes all things new. He will do his best. He will do his utmost to disrupt and to destroy. But he will not succeed. He will not succeed. Be assured this morning, Jesus praying. He's the one praying for you as a believer, for us as a church. He will provide the help that you need, that we need, that I need to persevere to the end. And I'll close with a, a phrase that I shared some weeks ago. It's one of my uh, almost daily uh, prayers or preachers, uh, sermons that I preach to myself. Resist the devil, dear friends, and he will flee from you. When you're facing temptation, when you're facing doubts, when you feel sorry for yourself, resist the devil. He will flee from you. The verse carries on. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And I pray for that, that Lord, for us this morning. Help us in our walk of faith day by day. Sunday is a wonderful day. We love the fellowship. We love the uh, encouragement, one to the other, the fellowship, the singing, the word. But Lord, Monday's coming. The challenges are real. Satan seeking to sift us as wheat. And I pray for each of us this morning, and particularly, Lord, anybody who finds themselves in the midst of great doubt or hardship or difficulty or struggle this morning, help them to trust you, to know the blessing of your prayer for them and the success of it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.